Hey, Wardless listeners, just a heads up, you might hear my dog's bell collar jingling in the background of this episode. Our apologies for the distraction, but please don't let it keep you from enjoying this conversation with Amy. She is super smart and wise and funny, so we hope you enjoy regardless. I really wasn't sure how to do it. Like, how do you actually leave this culture that's been a part of your life your whole life? I just couldn't envision the practicalities of that. For me, it was a real grieving process. I almost view this like an act of a good Samaritan, helping people down a path that can be really painful and helping them figure out how to make it through. I found this this community and I found a space that's normalized my experience. There are a lot of people who've been down this path before you. There will be a lot of people coming after you and it's okay. There is a light at the other end. We are not intending to talk anyone out of the church. This is for people who've already decided they've left. This is for the wardless. You're listening to Wardless, a post-Mormon field guide, a podcast addressing the challenges and practicalities of navigating life after Mormonism, because leaving the church can be a little bit peculiar. Join us as we explore the path away from Mormonism and examine what it means to be wardless. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wardless Podcast. My name is Donna, and I will be moderating today's discussion. This is a slightly different episode. I'm joined today just by Amy. Hi. (laughs) Just me and Donna today. (laughs) So before we dive into the second part of our telling friends and family discussion, uh, we have just one housekeeping item, which is kind of funny, because what we want to say is, Congratulations to you Yay. on baby number four. <laughs> I'm two weeks away from having a baby. Yeah. So yeah, by the time this goes live, the baby will be here. So we just oh, want to say congratulations to you and your family. We're really excited. Um, oh, and that also means that we might not be hearing from you for a while. Yeah. So to our audience, we'll have Amy back when yeah, we can, when, we can uh, pop in. Yeah. She's just a little human. <laughs> This is not my first rodeo. I mean, they don't take much time, right? (laughs) Okay, so shall we dive in? Yes, I'm really excited to talk about this. Yes. So for our listeners, last week our episode was part one of Italian Friends and Family, where we took three of our panelists, myself included, and we just sort of did case studies with our experiences telling friends and family, where we really dove into our stories on a much more detailed level. And try to tease out then some of the, not just our circumstances that then led to how we went about that, but also, you know, the emotions behind it and some of the bigger issues. But what we want to do today with you is talk about it from a more of a professional standpoint. You as a therapist see this mm-hmm. quite a bit yeah. in your office. Yeah, I on for your couch, whatever right? reason have like created a niche with transitioning Mormons and you know, kind of post-Mormons and also mixed faith Mormon people. I think that there's not tons of Mormon therapists out here. And so this is my niche. And I see it it. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a sex therapist too. So I say like, I have lots of sex therapy clients. And then I have lots of faith transition clients. And I love doing both of those things. So it's a niche I've fallen into that I really love and enjoy. Yeah. So I've seen lots of people do lots of different things. So when we were planning out this topic, you had things to say. I had things to say, so we're going to give me <laughs> so we the whole like, episode. <laughs> Amy, needs, Amy needs an entire episode. So let's just visit quickly 
the first part, um, our stories, as you listen to it, do you have any reactions or anything, you know, generally you mm-hmm. want to respond to and mm-hmm. anything that came out in that, even if it's like, wow, you guys are so screwed up and you should like <laughs> schedule an appointment with me ASAP, which no, is, to- which it, is probably like was a wonderful needed. conversation. I hope everybody that's listening to this has listened to that one. I think the interesting pieces that I could really take away from it is the avoidance that you guys all, <laughs> yeah. all collectively yeah, felt. That was, that was definitely a theme. That was a big theme. Um, and do oh, you see that a lot as well? Oh, so much. I see yeah. it all the time. So if anything, I want to just like normalize that feeling. And, and you know, the truth is people don't ever have to talk about it if they don't want to, right? Like they could just go through and just say, I'm just never going to have that conversation with people. But most of the time there's something that gets pushed against where you have to talk about it. I think you guys mentioned you know, if there's uh, temple weddings or things like that. So yeah, yeah, the forcing event, I think a we forcing it. event. Yeah. But there's also, you know, there's also I've known people that just are saying, I'm just never gonna have a conversation about this with people too. And like, you have permission to do that. Yeah. You know? So is that maybe a good place to start? Just how would you know that you're avoiding versus just it actually being a good yeah. idea to not say anything? Yeah, I think sometimes if death is on the horizon for someone like, I don't know. Oh. Is it necessary? You know, if, if maybe your parents are at that final stage of life, like, is it necessary to have that conversation? Sometimes I don't know if it is or not. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's going to be an individual experience. But, you know, I think that there are certain cases where people can choose to say the risk of me telling that isn't worth compromising what it might mean to the relationship at this point. And then I say, you can honor that. I don't think anyone is fast to, yeah. you know, yeah. I think it needs to come from this pretty genuine place because of how scary and how much at risk you are putting yourself exposing this change of belief system. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's going to be individual for people to say, now I feel like I can't live a lie. I think a lot, I think you guys kind of use the word authenticity a lot yes, yeah. in the last podcast. So it's like yeah. that need to be authentic with people that you love in your life outweighs the need to try to just keep it smooth. Yes. And we, we talked about that tipping point. Yeah. Where the pain of one side suddenly outweighs the pain yeah. of the other side. Right. Let's let's go into what is at the, the heart of it. Um, from your viewpoint, you know, what's going on with this difficulty? Yeah. What's there under the surface? Okay, so I want to acknowledge I so I've been in practice for almost 10 years. And I have seen a lot of faith crisis clients, if we're going to use that word faith crisis, okay. Sometimes people hate faith crisis, whatever word you want to use, okay? <laughs> having having like a faith change um, or a faith exploration. But I just want to acknowledge how unbelievably hard and painful this is for people. I've seen families react really positively and well, and it's gone wonderfully. And then I've also seen families uh, where they have an under response, which is also really heartbreaking in a weird way. Like when you've, I know you guys all talked about sending emails but sometimes people will send emails out and they will get no response back. Wow. And interesting. how the, the under response is also heartbreaking, along with people's overreaction uh-huh. can also be heartbreaking. And and the feeling of rejection is, I think, one of the, the biggest fears and heartbreaks of, of this process. So so yearly, I revisit a talk by the brilliant Joanna Brooks. Yes. People might know her. Okay. She gave a talk at the Mormon Stories Conference in 2013 about belonging. We're going to link it in the show notes. And the the talk was just brilliant. 
it's it's a have you have you watched it no okay no so I basically every I cry every time I listen okay and then today as I was prepping this I listened again and I cried again wow (laughs) it's really really beautiful but what what it talks about is just she outlines the history of Mormon identity and that's her academic kind of way and then moves into discussing how within Mormonism belonging is connected to belief and she talks about in the Jewish tradition, that they have kind of an approach that's like belonging is the bigger circle, behavior is inside that, and then belief is the smaller circle inside. So you automatically belong. You automatically belong because yeah. it's that same thing of if you're born a Jew, you're a Jew, mm-hmm. right? You don't necessarily have to have you know orthodox behaviors, yeah, and you don't necessarily have to believe, but you're always a Jew, yeah. And I feel that way about my Mormonism. Not everybody feels that way, but I'm kind of like. It's deeply rooted in me. Yes, that was a big point of, I don't know, realization for me was people in the group are not going to think that I belong anymore. And yet I feel so strongly that I still claim that belonging. Yes. And that is such a difficult point it's, of point of tension it's there. It's really, so, so it's like in that faith tradition, you claim your belonging first. Yeah. And then you have the behavior if you choose to. And then you have the belief next, yeah. if you choose to also, which is often opposite of the Mormon experience, which is, in order to belong, I have to believe. And so she challenges that idea yeah. in a lovely way in this talk. And that's why I would love everyone to please listen. Yeah. Okay? But I think what's scary is, if I have a change in belief, it's so scary because what are those risks when I tell people then that I don't the threat believe is you don't- and I don't behave, and now do I belong? Yeah. So to me, I think this, the fear comes from this place of, will people still love me? Yes. That's so, really scary. So within, within the Mormon culture, and I, you know, we need to talk in generalities. Mm-hmm. And of course, it doesn't apply across the board. But in general, that needing within Mormonism to, to have the belief to have certain behaviors in order to belong. And when you belong... I mean, it's like belong with a capital B in Mormonism, wouldn't you say? Like it is is an intense belonging when you are in the group, when you do belong. And I think that results in this culture of not embracing unconditional love. You know, can we connect the dots? Is that basically what we're stating? But I think that that's what the fear is. Like that's the fear. Will I unconditionally be loved? But is it sort of based on like, would you say within Mormon culture that we're not so good at that? We're not so good at expressing unconditional love. We're not so good at promoting it. We're not so good at. Yeah, I could say that. You know, I, I it leads it leads to like the differentiation thing. I don't know if we're very good at differentiation. Which okay, so go into that. Okay, we've mentioned okay. that before. Okay, so if I have any clients listening or my family, <laughs> they're like, oh, here we go, Amy. She's gonna do this, and I am. I'm gonna do it because I think it's really important. Okay, so it's this idea. So it's a therapeutic approach to say, how do you have separateness in your togetherness? Or how do I know where I end and someone else begins? So it's being able to say, I have a flexible, solid sense of self. I don't need a reflected sense of self where people are showing me who I am and telling me who I am, but I internally know who I am. And I think I've mentioned this word when I talk about reclaiming your own authority. Yeah. And I think that that's what we don't do necessarily well in Mormon culture is being able to say, it's okay for everybody to claim their own authority and have their own space, but also have a togetherness in in our separateness. Okay, okay. So... Yeah, because we because it is a culture of top-down authority. It is. It is not a... 
at the same time, though, we do have this sort of individual authority. Personal we talk revelation, about, yeah, we talk like about that. that stuff, and that's a weird interplay with those things. Yeah, but ultimately, the authority from maybe leaders, priesthood, the leadership, yeah. it trumps. It does. It's the end all. It. Yeah. So it's like it's instead of being able to say, "What do I think?" Feel believe about something specifically with my own sense of self mm-hmm. versus someone telling me. Yeah. And so, and then there's also this notion of we can have no empty chairs in heaven. And yes. so, yeah, so yeah. it's not okay for people to say individually they're going to be on in their space of belief or behavior or belonging because we can't have that happen because we all need to be together in heaven. And yeah, so it's not just families this, are like, forever. Yeah. It's not just this temporary world you yeah, know, yeah. earth life. It's like what's going to happen in, to the afterlife. And so I think, I do think we struggle with the unconditional love piece or maybe promoting that a little bit more of just saying where anybody lands, we just need to love them. Cause there's also this undertone message of we need to be the, sh- the shepherds that gather the sheep. Yes. In heaven, we can't have an empty seat. And so it's our job to get people in line with our belief so that they can belong with us in heaven. Yes. Right? And I, I felt that so strongly being the first one in my family to leave was like, I'm screwing up. I'm their, breaking the chain. I am screwing mm-hmm. up their celestial kingdom. Mm-hmm. I know. The mansion. That's why it's really scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard thing <laughs> to do, like, you know, and so. Very weighty. Uh-huh. Very. It's very weighty. And so then like what I, what I try to do with clients a little bit is like, how do I help them get a little differentiated? Right. Not yeah. a little. Yeah. A let's, let's talk okay. about the differentiation because, um, One thing that's been really important to me in creating this podcast is that I want to keep the things we say very grounded. And sometimes I think when we talk about these things, they can start to get really fluffy or like... Yeah, hippy dippy. um, Yeah, yeah, like where we're saying things that sound really good, but when you think about it, you're like, I don't know what that actually means. And so, and I'm not trying to say that that's... (laughs) It's fine. It's a big concept. (laughs) And I hate the word. So I always use, instead I use, how do you have relational maturity? Okay, okay, so t- so what does that mean to you? It, what it means to me is being able to say, I get to own my mad, glad, sad, scared. And it's emotions 101, right? I know that <laughs> it sounds so basic, but it's just like mad, glad, sad, they all rhyme, and then scared. And most thing, most feelings can fit into one of those categories and say, that's all I get to own. When you say own, you're meaning you, that's the only thing you have control over, responsibility yeah. for? Yes. That- if my husband comes home super mad one day, I can say, oh, you seem really mad today. I don't have to say, I need to fix his mad. And, and, and we do that with, we know that we're going to be making people sad when we say, I'm stepping away from the church. Mm-hmm. But it's not ours. Their, their sad is not ours to own. I can reflect that back to them and say, it seems like this is so hard for you. And we're going to get into some of those, those like real concrete things that I think about later, yeah. you know. Yes. Ooh, but being wait. able to be able to be differentiated enough where you know where you end and someone else begins. So would you say that's the first step that people need to understand and come to terms with it's not even just with my mormon clients yeah everyone okay <laughs> it's a really yeah. hard thing to be able to not absorb people's stuff right and you think of it like oh by being compassionate and kind i need to to do that i need to own other people's feelings but it's not healthy it's just a not a healthy approach to relationships so i'm trying to push people and push myself this is work i've done on myself too so i'm not just like i'm the expert i'm like <laughs> i'm not i'm not saying that i'm saying it's a hard process i've had to really learn this too is to say, I get to own my feelings. Mm-hmm. And I'm not in charge, and I can't control, and I can't own anybody else's feelings. So and when I you, think, so when, when you say, do you think Mormons generally are, have a hard time with unconditional love? Maybe. Yeah. But I also think we're not always a totally differentiated group of humans. 
And that's what I think sometimes the problem is. And so it's like, how do you have your own autonomy and have your own decision-making power? I talk a lot about how do you get rooted in yourself? Like you think of yourself as a tree and it's like, how do you get your roots? And there's going to be voices. There's going to be people around you having opinions, but how do you get centered? So that, that's how do you get centered? You get, you try to get, rooted. That's, you try to be, you try to work on differentiation try to say the only way that I can get rooted is like controlling me. Mm-hmm. Right. And being able to be accountable for my behaviors and my feelings. So, th- so you've talked on the podcast before about being a recovering people pleaser. Is this, this what is you're all, talking about? This is all because I think what happened before is like, I, I wanted to be reflected to see, to have people like me. So I would have self-denial or I would compromise myself because I didn't want other people to be upset with me. And that's not healthy. Talk about that. Well, you, you said the term reflected. The reflected sense of self. Yeah. Yes. D- dive into that a little okay. more. This like, just is basically that. saying how I want people to see me is how I find value in myself by what people are saying. Oh, you're so fill in the blank. Right. All the things. Yeah. That's the reflected. It's reflected back to me versus being like, what do I value in myself? What do I think about things? How do I feel about this thing? Versus, oh, this is what's reflected back to me. And so I need to, what's reflected back to me is, ooh, people are upset that I'm not going to church. And they have feelings about that. And I'm like, uh, I don't want them to not like me. So right. maybe I will go to church. You know, it's just like, that's just not healthy. So then what happens is, since you're always looking for how people are responding to you, then you're be- you then change your behavior. Yep, you make decisions based on that. Yeah, so you're sort of always doing that. Yeah, but then you end up presenting. Right. Then you're like, I've done all these things all these years. Yeah. Because that like self-sacrificing part of you at some point feels betrayed. And being relationally mature is being able to say, I know myself. My roots are strong. I'm working on them getting all the way to the core depth of the earth. <laughs> We're getting all hippie now. You know, Donna's like, uh-oh, <laughs> where's Amy going with this? You know, but like that idea of like, how do I get rooted in my own core sense of self is really an important piece, I think, for anybody that's trying to work on how do I be healthy in the world. Right. I love it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's dive into your... Some of your practical, okay. Okay. your best practices. So talking from your experiences as a therapist mm-hmm. and, and um, situations. And also just like, I have lots of friends. And, and your cousins. own life experiences <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, just like, just people in my life. I've had a lot of exposure to a lot of people like, yes. transitioning out of Mormonism. So Absolutely. So based on, based on all of that, should we start with things to do, things not to do? Or should we just start? Do you have a list you want to just start Let's going just down? Let's start going. Okay. Some are things to do and some are things not to do. Okay. I should have organized it better. That's fine. Okay. So um, locally, there is a, a church here that's called East Lake Community Church. Um, there's a man named Bart Campolo is his name. We'll, and he, we'll say that. Bart Campolo. <laughs> his father is named Tony Campolo, who is a big Christian minister. And his son was also a big Christian minister, this this Bart Campolo guy. And they've actually written tons of books. Bart has left Christianity and left belief in God. So he has a lot to say about this. As as a minister, like this all happened yes. publicly. Publicly. Yeah. They have, I think that there's a documentary on Netflix. I should oh, we'll find it. Okay. I forget what the name is. <laughs> so he came to this Eastlake Community Church. And so I'm going to talk about some of the things he's talked about. We're also going to link that video in our show notes. Okay. So even though he comes from a Christian perspective, he has some really good things to say. Yeah. So it's clear that people in your life are going to be distraught about you leaving the church. They're going to be sad. They're going to have feelings. We, we know this. Right. 
So when the time comes where you have to tell them that you aren't where you were anymore, I think starting the conversation off by talking about all the stuff that you learned from the church that you love, all the experiences you have that you treasure from Mormonism. I'm just saying, I know how important this is to you. I know that it's made you a person of faith and it's created goodness for you. Talk about all the stuff from their worldview that you appreciate that means something to you. So leading with a affirmation. Yes. Probably not a good opener is to say, let me tell you about the CES letter. Yes. Okay. So, because why? Why is that? Maybe not. Because I think good. what you had said, Donna, in your last podcast about how do you build bridges, and so coming in full steam, like two guns blasting, isn't going to do anything about building bridges and and creating a connection. And if your intention is to win the war of the worldview, then go in with that. Mm-hmm. But if your intention is to preserve relationship and to continue to say. I love you. I want you in my life. I need you to know these experiences that have been really meaningful to me to Mormonism, but I just can't make it work anymore. Yeah, that's a completely different approach. So you really need to think about why are you having this conversation with this person? Are you wanting to win? Are you wanting to build connection with them? Are you wanting to be understood? Are you wanting to understand them? Like going in and knowing what your intention is to have this conversation, I think is really important. So if you, if you are really honest with yourself and you're like, my intention is to burn it all down, not necessarily your relationship, but like you're angry, maybe you feel maybe betrayed. What do you do from there? If you're like, um, I just want everyone to know like how screwed up the church is. If you don't but, care about your relationships with people, then I would say, then that's fine. Go for it. But if you do care, then I would say, then hold off a little bit. You're probably not ready to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So why? Because I think... What ends up happening is that people naturally who believe in that worldview see you coming defensively or seeing you come angrily at that, and they are going to want to protect the thing that is dear to them. So I'm not saying that you don't people don't have valid reasons to be angry. Absolutely, 100% they do. But I don't know if that's the time then. Maybe just sit on it for a while. Mm-hmm. Like you don't immediately have to talk about it at that point. I'm sort of trying to play devil's advocate, but I, I hear I hear you doing the devil's advocate thing, and I appreciate <laughs> it because because I, I do think that probably some listeners will think, "What are they talking about?" Yeah, you know, like you should. There, there feels like this reversal of testimony of like saying, "Here's what I, what I don't believe anymore." The historicity of the Book of Mormon, like lay out all of your ideas about here's why I don't believe anymore. But that need is so strong for for many people. It is. It's and it's real. Because you feel you feel so duped sometimes right. and like the pendulum then goes to this other place of I need to let everybody know that this is not true. Right. Right. And it's just like I don't think if you're trying to preserve relationships, coming in that strong is gonna do anything. Yeah. Except make your person that you love really defensive and make them completely turn their ears off to hearing what what your experience has been. What if someone's saying, but it's not that I want to win the worldview, but I want to be understood. It's like, let's tease that out. Okay. What's the difference between thinking you want to be understood, and so you think you want to do that by going and listing all of your reasons why okay. the church isn't true, or all the reasons why you're leaving? Okay. One of the things I love that this man talks about, this talk that I'm referring to, this Bart Campolo guy, he says, don't tell them the reasons why you don't believe or what has upset you about the situation or the institution or... I mean, all the things that you could be upset about. He says, tell them your story. Stories are how we make sense of things. 
So when you talk about what's changed, start at the beginning and just say, here's my feelings, here's my story, here's then what happened next, and then here's what happened next, and here's all the things that I have learned about myself. So people can argue with your reasons, but they can't argue with your story. And they can be sad at your story, and that's okay. And because you're differentiated, you can reflect and say, I know that this is incredibly hard for you to hear this. And that's all you have to say. Yeah. And I love you. And I think one thing that you said in your last podcast, Donna, that I has really resonated with me, and we've talked about it before, is inviting the best part out of your friends and family, right? Invite mm-hmm. them to show up the way that you need. Say to them, the scariest part of this conversation for me is that I'm not going to belong in this family anymore. Yeah. The scariest part of me telling you this stuff and telling you my story is that you're not going to love me anymore. And people want to be their best self. I'm going to I'm going to be generous in believing that. Okay? <laughs> I agree. I think there there's always going to be the exception to that, but I think I do think most people most people want to be loving. Yeah. yeah. And they and do. The fact is is like most people that I've talked to friends, clients, everything, if anything, there's more sadness there. There's anger too. But there's also this deep sense of loss. There's mm-hmm. a like I know I keep it was a grieving process for me in the, you know, in the beginning, you hear me say that it was a grieving process for me. And it, I think it is for a lot of people. And so being able to speak to that with the people that you love, I would hope that they can pull out the best inside them and say, wow, this must've been really hard for you too. Yeah. Not everyone's going to respond that way because again, what about the afterlife? We need to keep everybody right. in. We have a lot of uh, cultural baggage to overcome yeah. there. Yeah. Which is, which I'm saying cultural baggage. It's very meaningful to those people. It is. I remember when a friend interviewed me for a podcast that she has. And one of the most interesting things that I got back was from a woman who is very orthodox and very kind woman. We're not super close friends, but we respect each other. And she said, Amy, I'm devastated to see all of my friends leaving the church. And she's like, like you had talked about in your podcast, how you felt like it was leaving a family. I feel like they're not just leaving the church, but they're leaving me too. And like, I just like, I got really teary. Yeah. And I still, it makes me emotional because people feel that way too. So we can't just assume the worst in people. There, We, we got to be generous about where people are at too, that they feel a loss with when we leave. And they and they might feel rejected in yeah. return. They might. Yeah. I, and I think yeah. quite possibly they do often. So attacking their worldview or getting into all of the reasons why I just haven't seen it be successful for people. I understand the need to want to be understood. But in so doing so, if we could tweak it a little bit and say, I need to tell my story so I can be understood. And I want to be very clear that this isn't a rejection to them. This is just something I can't do anymore. Yeah. If you can get them to a point where they they don't have to understand your reasons, because let's just be clear, you might not ever bridge that divide with those people. You're not going to come to an agreement. Right. You know, you are going to disagree on that for now. Yeah. And I think part of being mature and part of having that relational maturity is being able to say, it's okay that people feel differently than me. Right. Right? Is it just like saying, Donna hates hippy dippy stuff and (laughs) this other person loves it. You know what I mean? And it's okay. And this person has different politics than me and I have different politics. And how do we still share space in the world to love each other? I think it's part of being mature. Yeah. My family is going to believe this way and I'm still going to love them. Yep. Because I want that from them in return. But what you want them to understand, especially because it is such a huge monumental thing for so many people yeah. to step away from the church, you want them to understand it wasn't a light decision. It wasn't easy. Yeah. 
And that's what, if you can get to the point, I, so this is what I think I hear you saying, that where we switch that need to be understood to that aspect of it, to the emotional core of it. Yeah. Even if we just think so intensely that we want them to understand the reasons, we need to step back from that. Really? Because it's just not going to be helpful. I totally agree with yeah. this. Like, <laughs> I know. And I know that like people might be uncomfortable about this. And sometimes you have to go back and redo conversations and ask for a do-over to say, wow, how I approached you before. Can we have a different conversation? Because mm-hmm. I want you to know how hard I realize this is for you, that I'm, I'm, I've stepped away. And I also need to know, I want you to know, here's the great things that I've gotten from this. Here's what I've learned from you. And I love you and I still care about our friendship or relationship or sisterhood or brotherhood or parent-child relationship, whatever it yeah. might be, to say, hey, we got we to gotta get into a good space because I don't think that went well. I love that idea. I hadn't, I, it hadn't occurred to me that that would even be an option, you know. Mm-hmm. That, you could, you could like, 100% try again, <laughs> you know. I'm like, yeah, there's like, a long life. <laughs> and like a lot of, so a lot of times people will, you know, maybe I'll hear from, you know, friends or whatever that they, they had a bad experience or it was an underwhelming response to the mm-hmm. heartfelt email that yes. they had sent or something like that. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I think, well, the story's not over. You might have a really horrible experience. I had a family friend recently, he had sent, a video to his whole family about like why he was stepping away. And he had a, some good responses and some bad responses, you know, and the story's not over. Like you still have many years to be in relationship with these people that you deeply care about. So assuming that like, okay, that's the end. No, if you care enough about the relationship, then it's worth investing in trying to make it work. Even though sometimes it's hard and crunchy. I think that this is such a good point because when I went through you know, that whole process, as I talked about last time, and got the response. And my family was like, they gave me what I needed. They were so loving. And, but then you're right, that was just the beginning of it. Like, all that work that I did, and all that agonizing was just the initial point of, okay, from and now we get to redefine our relationship, we get to try to relate to each other in different Mm -hmm. ways. And there's awkwardness in that for sure. But it's definitely still a work in progress. Yeah. And I often think when pe- when you want to be understood by people, you have to remember to continue to ask them like, hey, how how's church going for you? Are you liking your calling? You know, keep keep the door open to saying, I can talk about church stuff. Yeah. Unless you can't. <laughs> and then don't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but like if like again, if you're if you're feeling grounded in your decision, then it should be it should come easy for you to say, Hey, I'm interested in like but or like, just how's your calling? What are you doing in your ward these yeah. days? It, sometimes it creates this divide with families in saying, now we can never talk about anything on either side, mm-hmm. on church or not, you know. Right. And I have two sisters, you know, like, you know, one of them will like ask, oh, how was that, that church you went to? Or, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, they, they'll try to still be inquisitive for me, you know, and yeah. it's a little awkward and fumbly at the beginning. But if you can kind of establish this thing of like, we can talk about this stuff then it can go easy. But some families can't talk about that. So yes. I realize that like yeah. I'm coming from a place of privilege where in my family, there is conversations like that. And not all families have that. Right. But also it's okay for you as the person that has left to still be interested to try to understand where they're at. And hopefully that models something good so that they can then say, oh, I guess I can talk about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, I took the reasons that I left completely off the table and I stated explicitly, it's not going to be helpful so I know you might be curious, but we're not going to talk about it. But then I made have made sure that I don't put the church 
off the table in our conversations. Like I'm very okay. happy for them. I'm yeah, I'm very okay for them to talk to me about their ward, their callings, mm-hmm. just things about church right. stuff. But then there's going to be other people, and I tell this to people all the time. They're so worried, like, oh, I'm going to the family reunion, and everyone's going to be asking me things, and I'm like. Fortunately and unfortunately, most Mormons don't ask you anything. Right. And so I just tell people, you can lean into that. Most of the time, people are not going to ask you questions, which there's a little bit of heartbreak for that because you think, are people not curious about me? But I think it's because they don't know. They don't know how to ask. They don't know. Right. They don't want to ask. I think it's much more about um, a lot of awkwardness surrounding that and rather than actually a disinterest or a you know, them not caring, mm-hmm. but I think actually it's their version of avoidance. Yeah. And I, I remember yeah. feeling that way. That's a good point. So we don't need to interpret everything. <laughs> I mean, like just from your last podcast, yeah. the avoidance scene <laughs> right. that came up, I just think that that's probably true on the other side too. Yeah, yeah. If we avoid the topic, then it won't create contention. Mm-hmm. We won't have to hear hard things. There, I think there's a lot that can go into it that is not necessarily all just people being real crappy about you leaving yeah. the church. Like, right. People don't know how to deal with it. We need to understand that. I know. But let's go, let's go back to, um, to the reactions. Let's say you put all this energy and you do this work around differentiation mm-hmm. and you get yourself in a good place and you do the whole like mm-hmm. affirming and expressing love and inviting them to love you back. And then it still goes awry mm-hmm. because some situations, sure. there's too much other complications coming into it and so sometimes i would say is this a healthy relationship for you to continue to try to engage in and so sometimes i say well right now it doesn't sound like it's that healthy Mm -hmm. for you and it's okay to have a little bit of distance that's tough it is and to be able to kind of grieve the fact that because of this your relationships will be different Mm -hmm. so again You can't control them. You can't. And so sometimes you do have to prepare for people to have strong reactions and hard reactions. And I've seen this. Like, it's not uncommon, right? And then the the pain that comes with that is just so big and hard and sad. And it's like, and then you should probably find a good therapist, you know? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, or hopefully that there's someone in your life or there's a community around you that can support you in a way that is helpful for you and that you don't feel so lonely. Yeah. And some families are very abusive, and that's yeah. probably less yeah. about Mormonism and more about the family function, right? Right. right? But you're kind of right. saying we see all types of families in yeah. Mormonism and all types of oh. paradigms. So it's like we I can't just, blame everything on yeah. Mormonism. I just sure. read Educated, and I'm like, holy smokes! <laughs> so yeah, we come from all different kinds of Mormon families, so it's hard to kind of just give it a full stamp. But but sometimes there are, I just think, relationships that are just really unhealthy and really toxic and yeah. very undifferentiated, right? I guess the only thing that you can like hope for is that at some point the story is not over and there's going to be a maturity that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And you might have to accept the fact that certain relationships might be surface. And that's also hard. But you hope it balances out with people that then really understand you. Yeah. And hopefully you can find those relationships in your life too. Yeah. Okay, so I want to do a, a quick recap you know, all of our main points. But before we do that, I just want to quickly address the modality that we talked about in the first part where we all shared our experiences. Obviously, our experiences do not, they don't encompass all the possibilities, right? right? So there's a lot of people out there who will be coming from very different situations and very different approaches. 
and I think specifically we all chose to do it in writing. Obviously, there's gonna there's a lot of different ways to yeah. do this. So can we talk about that sure. really fast? Okay. Obviously, emails. People do that a lot. And that's okay, right? I mean, I felt that's really strongly totally fine. about that. <laughs> 100%. I've, had, I've known people to say, I'm going to create a video and I'm going to send it to everybody in my family so everybody hears at the same time. Obviously, doing individual face-to-face conversations with people, instead of saying, I'm going to collectively tell everybody at once, I'm just going to have one conversation at a time. Mm-hmm. Or saying, that person lives far away, so I'm going to call that brother or sister. You know what I mean? So yeah. I've, I've heard other people do that. But we'd also love to hear... Other listeners, what has worked for you? Yeah. If you want to share in our group or share. Do we have comments on the website? Yes. <laughs> I don't even know. Okay. Yeah. You can comment on our show notes. Okay. On the show notes. You can go to the but Facebook But we would love group. to hear what has worked well for other people. Yeah. And if we could share that so that people can see, I think that'd be a really good conversation to have somewhere. Yeah. You know? I hadn't ever, hadn't occurred to me like a video to do that. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. And for the face-to-face conversation, because I think, I don't know. I mean, at least I just feel so much anxiety about that. But maybe other people really feel like, no, that's we are a talking family. I'm a talking person. That's the way it's got to go. How we talked about one advantage of the written format being that it just sort of slows things down a little bit, like puts the brakes on emotions a little bit, at least in the reaction. Because people have time to think before they respond. Yes. So Mm -hmm. obviously, in a face to face conversation, that's going to be that's not that's not going to be as but you might make that explicit say i know that we're doing this in person and so you your feelings are probably all raw and you probably haven't had time to really think about this yet so if you want to take time and think about it and then respond to me that's just fine yeah but some people are better at that back and forth right so it's i I don't i'm not opposed to -to face-to-face at all oh yeah no i'm I wouldn't discourage people yeah. who really feel like but it they makes need you to do anxious. It, it makes like, me totally you're like, anxious. I will not do that, you know. So I think it's good to know yourself, <laughs> to know where you can show up as your best self, if that's through writing or through right. a video, just to tell your story so then people can listen and think about it before yeah. they respond. Or if you're a type of person that's like, I want to be understood and I want to be with that person so that I can see their reaction and I can understand that. Right. Yeah, I think that those are all they're all valid, right? Mm -hmm. You being able to know what's going to be best for you and probably best for the situation is going to be so individual for everybody. Yes. So we're giving real blanket generalities, but I think it's important to know what's true for you. Yeah. And and don't make anyone feel like the modality that they use is less valid just because it's something that you wouldn't do. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Okay, let's recap our top yeah. tips or, yeah. you know, best practices yeah. that we talked about. So um, I think the first is doing the work, doing the prep work yourself beforehand would involve differentiation. Yes. I'm all on board with that yeah, now, thanks. Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Working on that, knowing yourself. And establishing your boundaries between you and other people, yep. and especially when it comes to emotions. Yes. I think our next one is um, digging into what you want out of the conversation and really knowing what is the intention going in. Is it to be understood? Is it to win the worldview war? Is it to understand them? So it's good to know what are your intentions in telling the people that you're going to tell. We talked about, so leading with gratitude or an affirmation, finding some way to set the tone a little more positively at the beginning. Don't tell your reasons, tell your story. Because people will be able to connect with that much better than your reasons. Which probably is a controversial (laughs) one, but we're sticking to it. We are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, we also talked about being generous with people. Rather than, you know, jumping to all the negative conclusions that we want to jump to so much Mm -hmm. of the time. Just 
offering that generosity to people that you would want in return. Giving the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. What else? Don't think of it as an end game. Oh, know that yes. this relationship that is going to be something that's going to continue for a long time if you care about it. Um, and then I love the last one. I'll let you, you take okay. it. I love that one. It's inviting your friends and family to pull out the best parts of themselves. So ask for what you need. Say, I'm so afraid that you're not going to love me anymore because I think people inside want to be their best selves. And so being able to pull that out and ask for it. It takes vulnerability, but the results, Just I think. Brene are... Brown, the conversation, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Brene Brown, the crap out of that conversation. Because <laughs> I think that that's, that is, it's like, that's, you know, she always talks about empathy drives connection. And so being able to say, please love me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I know it sounds so desperate. No, but bringing it back to that sense of belonging. Yeah. Assuming you have a family that is functional enough to make it worth it. In the end, you still need and want to belong yeah. to them. And they still need and yeah. want you to belong to and them. they don't want you to reject them either. Yeah. I do feel like those are fundamental things that you have to remember when you're having these conversations. Totally. Best of luck with these conversations. Yes. We know they're not easy. Yeah. We hope that you got some nuggets from us today that you can maybe think differently about how you're going to have conversations with your family and loved ones. Yeah. And as a teaser, right quickly before we go, this is really about the telling your families, your closest friends. Um, it's a different discussion or a different episode, I think, about the you know the second tier people in your relationships, the, and this, which especially gets complicated with social media. Yeah. We're not really addressing those things. But as a teaser, we do have something in the works to help people with that which we're really excited about. So more information will be forthcoming about that. So you know, stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> so thank you, Amy, so much. This was yes. a really great conversation. Yes, it was fun to talk about it. We would love anybody's input on on this episode. We always love to hear what, what listeners are thinking or what their reactions are to what we're saying. So yes, please get in touch at wardlesspodcast at gmail.com. Join the discussion in our Facebook group. And we'd love to hear from you. So do we have a sponsor this week? We do have a sponsor. This episode is brought to you by talking to your kids about sex, which is a way easier conversation to have than talking to your friends and family about leaving the church. <laughs> In comparison. <laughs> You've been listening to Wardless, a post-Mormon field guide. For more information and for the show notes for this episode, visit wardlesspodcast.com. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the podcast, a topic you'd like us to consider, or if you think you might have a unique perspective to add to an upcoming episode, we'd love to hear from you. And if you found this episode helpful, please consider leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. But the most helpful thing you can do is share this episode with someone you know. So please share the love and pass on our links. Thanks again for listening. We hope it makes you feel a little less wardless. We're going to have a little intimate, intimate... <laughs> <laughs> yes we're gonna have some intimacy me and donna today <laughs> i'm gonna dig a little deeper i'm scared because can i make it two weeks until i have a baby you know am i gonna just like cry myself to sleep every not, night not to use a personal example or anything right. but you, you know what i mean